A quote from St. Augustine. Love God and do what you will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. How did Christianity grow from a tiny, obscure movement on the edge of the Roman Empire to the dominant faith of Western civilization? How did Christianity trump the classical pagan philosophies of its day? These are questions that social historian Rodney Stark asks in his book, The Rise of Christianity. We may think it was because Christianity had the greatest thinkers and the best minds and the best arguments for the existence of God and the divinity of Christ. This would lead us to view sophisticated reasoning and argumentation as the seed of evangelism and mission. But Christianity did not win the day in the courthouse or the debate hall, but it won the hearts and minds of an entire civilization at the bedside of the sick and of the dying. Christianity flourished because its members were completely full of the love of God, so full that that love overflowed from their being. They loved one another in their church communities, and they loved the other outside their church communities, even when it meant putting their own lives at risk. Love for God was both the why and the how in the mission of the early Christians. Love permeated their entire being so they did not have to focus on the mechanics of being a Christian, but they could focus on the expression of it. In his book, Professor Stark argues that it was this uniquely Christian concept of love that caused Christianity to grow like wildfire throughout the empire and eventually the world. In today's gospel, we hear the familiar demands of the liturgy. We hear it every week. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. As we see from the text, this command was given by Jesus in response to a question from a lawyer. We all love lawyers. We have lawyer friends. Now, this lawyer was not a civil litigator, but rather an expert in the Torah and a member of the Pharisees. But he still liked to ask difficult questions. In fact, the gospel tells us that he asked Jesus this question with the intention of tricking him. To understand the lawyer's question, we must place ourselves in the context of the Judaism of the time of Christ. It was a time of political and religious disruption. There was no stability either in religion or in society. And as we see in the intertestamental writings, it was a time of chaos. In this time before the birth of Christ, many factions had arisen in Judaism and each had a different take on what was the most important issues for the Jews to remain faithful. With the Hellenization of the culture and the Roman occupation of the land, the Jewish people were looking for ways to stand fast in the faith. And the most famous group to rise up during this time is the Pharisees, which we hear about throughout Jesus' life. And the lawyers were a part of the Pharisees. For the lawyers, what was crucial to their religious observance was a strict interpretation of God's law, and they delineated out 613 commandments. 
And so they would spend their time looking at these commandments and trying to figure out what's the best? What's the best way I can love God? How do I focus on the right commandments and not the wrong ones? He was so obsessed with this that it, it drove him to ask Jesus, well, what's the most important? How often are we obsessed with collecting all the right data, all the right arguments, before we take the responsibility to love? Sometimes we misuse theology as a way to keep love for God and love for others at a distance and over there. If we get the law just right, if we emphasize the right commandments in just the right way, God will usher in his kingdom and defeat our enemies and bring us to salvation. Or at least, that's how the thinking goes. This is precisely the kind of religion that Jesus came to disrupt and to upset. Jesus did not come to give us a list of rules, but he came to love, to show love and to be love. For he was the love of God incarnate, and he came to invite others to participate in that love. St. Augustine often spoke about love and desire. He famously said, love God and do what you will. This may sound like a license to sin, but it is actually the opposite. For if we love God, our will and our desires will be changed. Augustine spoke of our love and actions towards our neighbor, towards the other, as the training ground or the school of love for God. When we tend to think, we tend to think that if we try really hard to love God, then love of neighbor will just be an outflow of that love. But as 1 John 4 tells us, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. How do we become lovers of God and lovers of our neighbor? We can begin by examining our current loves. I don't mean our family and our friends. These are the obvious loves, and we should keep loving those people. We need to look at those things which occupy our time and our money, and this will tell us what we love. If when we first wake up, we check our cell phone and our email, this would be a disordered love. If we spend more money on coffee and lattes over tithing, that might be a disordered love. Ordered loves come by adapting a way of life, or as the church calls, a rule of life. Our church's rule is a pattern, a way of life centered around the worship at the Eucharist, centered around prayer, and centered around the cycle of scriptures. A spiritual rule is a pattern for community living in the grace of God, freeing us to love God more fully. While our love for others can be expressed through the physical acts of charity, we must remember that above all, our love for neighbor is shown by leading them into the love of God. We best lead others into the love of God by loving them in and through the community of God, the church. To tell someone that God loves them without manifesting that love in some real way is meaningless. This brings us back to the reality that mission and evangelism 
begins with us and our love for God. Mission means taking a look at our desires and our loves. If we want our Christianity to have an impact on the world, whether in Africa or in Orange County, we must begin to cultivate the love of God in our communities. If we want our personal Christianity to have an impact in our families or in our workplace, we must begin by cultivating the love of God in our own heart. This means expelling habits and patterns that lead to sin and cultivating habits and patterns that lead to charity. As Jesus said in Matthew 5, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. If we desire to share the good news with people, we must become good news people. It might not be as glamorous to say that mission starts in your own heart, your own life of prayer, and your own spiritual disciplines, but it is the inward journey that makes us most effective in the outward battle. The good news for us is that we have not been left alone in the journey. We must remember that God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We have been given a church community and a rich tradition with spiritual exercises. We just need to enter into them. The question is, are we ready to embark on a journey to change the world that begins in our own soul? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.